It's time for 41 is the Mike, a weekly Chiefs podcast with Nick Jacobs of KSHB 41 and Matt Derrick of Chiefs Digest. 41 is the Mike starts now. Welcome to this week, a winning edition of 41 is the Mike. I am Matt Derrick. Alongside me is Wiener Schnitzel enthusiast Nick Jacobs. Nick? I, that's what it's called. I call it. I thought. I thought it was called Wiener. Is it not? <laughs> is it not called that? Well, I'm from the Ozarks, and that's okay. how we pronounce Wiener Schnitzel in the Ozarks. Speaking of, was uh, uh, that Netflix documentary Ozarks? Was that accurate about like your your time down there? Um, a little, little bit. Well, I was gonna say a little bit less murdery, but no, okay. that's pretty accurate. Yeah. Okay, it's a little it's, less. It could well, be a documentary at times. I'm not gonna lie. All right. Well, that's uh, you know I've always wanted to ask you that, and you gave me this moment. So here <laughs> we were. <laughs> Occasionally, there's things that are absolutely spot on, Nick. I'm not gonna lie. I trust you on it. You 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 lived it, man. I didn't. I just <laughs> occasionally went down to Osage Beach from time to time. <laughs> See, you want to know about me and 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 my Ozarks background? I'm only here for Nick's rants, which we got good. Nick, I know I know what you got in the chamber. So Nick's rants today. Oh, you want to oh, stick around for? So I'm 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 on board with today's Nick's rant. I think everybody I think everybody's going to enjoy this one, and just like I think that. Chiefs fans enjoyed this win, Nick. Uh, big, big win. Big win in Germany. Big win going into the bye week against one of the contenders in the AFC. And as is now the trend, the Chiefs win this with defense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, for them to go take on the number one offense and have the performance that they did collectively overall, that was really, really impressive. Because looking at the coaches film during the week, the things I took away from it was with uh, with Tua, I know, I know they mentioned in the pressers over and over again when you went over there about rhythm, about, you know, trying to take them out of their rhythm, all that type of stuff. Um, it may not seem like it because there wasn't, you know, a ton of sacks and you had to bring blitz to do it um, to get some of those big plays in that regard. But the Chiefs defensive line did a phenomenal job, one, at setting the edge and kind of really locking down that run game to make them one-dimensional like Steve Spagnuolo wanted to do and take away a lot of that play-action pass ability. Because from studying the offense, for the most part, Tua's at his best when he's allowed to be a statue. When he doesn't have to move his feet, he is really, really a really accurate quarterback and does a really good job. The second he has to start moving his feet after he completes his drop back um, or has to take off scrambling, that play is 50-50 that it's it's still going to work and do well and that Tyreek or whoever is going to get open just to kind of catch a, a an inaccurate pass. So, I mean, not having taken away part of the run game, then making Tua have to do that part of it, those are really big. But then the way they bottled Tyreek Hill up today, like there's one part of it and it was really funny. I noticed it when I was watching the uh, coach's film last night from the Bills game, and I saw it again in the Eagles game, and then I saw it again later, and I'm like, well, that's a trend. Um, you knew when Tyreek was getting the ball because he would squat down um, and he would look inside the entire time. And I'm like, well, he's clearly not running. You know, he's clearly not running a route. Um, but he gave that away, and the Chiefs, the Chiefs knew that, and they saw that tell, and then they stopped that a couple of times. So, like, it, there's little – if you study there – I only studied three or four games during the week because that's all I have time for. Um, but if I was doing that professionally, 
Like you could, I, I like the Chiefs' defense was a Steve Spagnuolo and them. I think they they had a really good feel and a really good pulse for what the Dolphins wanted to do, what the Dolphins liked to do, and did a phenomenal job at really kind of keeping Tyreek Hill in check, and then also making Tua uncomfortable because there there may have been times where you know Tua may not necessarily. You know, he may have had some completions and stuff of that nature, but for the most part, they kept them out of rhythm and they made him inaccurate enough to where it didn't cost or burn them. There were two plays that that really I, I started thinking about when you were, were talking about what the Chiefs saw in film and how they were able to respond to it. And, and one obviously involves Tyreek because it's sure. Trent McDuffie's blowing up and creating the fumble that was completely McDuffie reading and knowing exactly where the ball was going, knowing it was going to Tyreek. Fortunately, he times it well enough that Tyreek was able to catch the ball and before he destroys him. But that was the timing of that and being able to force the ball out. I mean, that was all Trent McDuffie seeing that on film, seeing the tell making the play. Yeah. And and that chief secondary collectively had a phenomenal day with the speed they went against and how they were able to combat it. Like I was really, really impressed with what the Chiefs secondary has done from year one to year two and how much that 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 can open things up for them. Because whenever you play a team that athletic, there's going to be a lot of teams that are going to play down the road here and they're like, they did what against the Dolphins here? Holy heck. So I I think that that was a big, that was a big statement on a national scale, even if it wasn't the um, 42, 41 game that some people were hoping because they still think that the Chiefs offense right now is the 2018 offense and it's not. Um, so I, you know, I really, I'm just saying, I came away really impressed with what that defense did to hold them to one, to hold them scoreless in the first half, but to two, be able to hold them to 14 in general and have some big plays down the stretch there when the momentum turned multiple times. That I, I think, I think Steve Spagnuolo and them should be really proud of what they accomplished and really go in to have a, a, a different level of confidence when they play the Eagles, the Bills, the Bengals of that nature. I, I think they can really know that they can, after today's game, I think, I hope they know that they can really stand toe to toe with anybody defensively. Yeah. And that, I mean, that turnover and touchdown really punctuated the first half because obviously this is a Dolphins team that comes in leading the league and averaging almost 34 points a game. They average almost 500 yards a game on offense. Chiefs give up 110 yards in the first half, hold them scoreless. And then on top of that, I mean, the Dolphins, I mean, they could have gotten in the field goal range. They're trying to move down there when they force the turnover. And so you get that score right before halftime. I mean, to me, if this game's not 21 nothing at the half, Dolphins have plenty of time. I mean, they probably do catch the Chiefs in the second half. And then it's a matter of, you know, whether the Chiefs, you know, in an alternate universe, whether their offense can make the adjustments that they need to. But that just the defense, the defense department in the first half, I don't think there's any doubt, won this game. Yeah. And then the questionable moment, though, that I really was nervous is going to take the wind out of the sail is whenever it was at third and 20. And then Chris Jones had the uh, unnecessary roughness. And just it was crazy. And that that moment right there, I'm like, dude. I was like, you, you know, you we you thought after the Colts game last year that something like that wouldn't happen again. And then with the way things had gone with Derek Carr, you know, you, at least it wasn't Tua. So I'll say that part of it. But like, man, that that was that took a lot of wind out of their sail, and that that's what led to one of their touchdowns because they have to kick a field goal otherwise because of how far back they were, and then the Chiefs can kind of really keep them at arm's length and. Some of his teammates on on defense really picked him up, and 
you know, came up with the, some key uh, plays down the stretch there to be able to hold on to that win and kind of just hold on for dear life there in the second half. I mean, that was a minimum four-point swing because the Chiefs' were defense was off the field. Yeah. They were going to be kicking the field goal, and that absolutely gives them new life. And I, I was just thinking as we're watching it, it's just like, Chris, I mean, what happened? I mean, you cannot do that. Even, even if there is a lot of jawing, and there was, there was some pushing and shoving, and there was a lot of talking in this game, you can't get baited into making that that kind of a move like that. And so it, I, I'm with you. I thought the exact same thing. I thought that, you know, Chris had probably learned his lesson last year against the Colts. Apparently not, because that was not a smart move. Um, I want to go into the second half, though, to what I think, and I think there's a handful of plays that you could say were maybe the second most important of the game. But for me, it's first and 10. Uh, Dolphins have the ball, Chiefs 38-yard line. And, and and Willie Gay just absolutely blows up, blows up a med on the run for a six-yard loss. Dolphins were driving there. I mean, they were they were going to get into the proper scoring position, it certainly seemed like. I mean, they were literally unstoppable at that point. I mean, they were on a roll. And that that play by Gay, which is once again exactly what we were talking about, you know, with, with Trent McDuffie's play. They saw it on film. They knew what to expect. They knew what was coming. And and really, I mean, even though there was a few plays today that worked, they really did a good job of keeping that that outside zone and containing it and really keeping the Dolphins from from hitting them too hard on the outside. Yeah, and like whenever whenever I asked Steve Spagnuolo on Thursday, I think you you might have been there. You might have already been in the locker room. I can't remember. Um, but whenever I asked him how much of the motion – yeah, you pay attention to versus how much do you make sure doesn't allow you to be misdirected, you know, from where they're actually wanting to go. And I thought they had a, I, I thought that's part of the puzzle there. I think they did a really good job knowing when they needed to be, when they needed to respect that motion and what it was going to do to their defense and how it was going to stretch them and what they needed to be ready for versus the times when they, they made sure it didn't outflank them. So I, I I'm saying like that. I think that plays into what you're talking about there. To where I I just thought that Steve Spagnuolo and the defensive staff just had a really good pulse on what their offense was, what their offense wanted to do, and we're doing a really good job because early on when they were doing their blitzes, um, I remember where where the motion went. They brought the blitz from the opposite side to really get to Tua because they knew Tua was going to lock on to where the motion was, especially on some of the third second and third down passing they knew they were gonna lock on there and if it was a third and five or longer they had a blitz typically ready coming off that other side to really rush him and to get him you know get him off the spot and everything so that's what i'm saying like you you got to really know what that offense is trying to do and how they're trying to approach things based on down and distance and what they're trying to accomplish with their motions to be able to have the effectiveness that they did there in the first half and really kind of stifle them and slow them down. So I just, I, I just tip of the cap to Steve Spagnolo, Dave Merritt, Joe Cullen, you know, and then obviously Brendan Daly and the rest of the defensive coaching assistant, defensive coaches on staff that that was a, uh, that was an impressive game plan. I know it may not seem like it, but that was the number one offense, but it'd be like the chiefs in 2018, somehow being held to 14 points. It was very rare, rarely going to happen. That just, that, this Dolphins team, in my opinion, is the most explosive we have seen outside of the 2018 Chiefs and probably that when Randy Moss and them were with the Patriots and then, the you know, the greatest show on turf. Those are yep. 
for the better offenses I think we've seen in the past 20-plus years. So for the Chiefs defense to do that on the road where they may or may not have been jet lag like people were wondering, just collectively, that was just a phenomenal performance. Yeah, oh, everybody's gonna go to go to London and Germany and all these games on on Thursday night now, Nick, because that's that's the way you you win games. I mean, we've destroyed the narrative. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> you know, we'll see, man. We'll see. The Dolphins went early, obviously, and the Chiefs obviously didn't. So, I mean, it, it'll be. I mean, hey, Andy Reid's got a system, and it's worked three times in a row now internationally between the. London game in 2015, the Chargers game in Mexico City, and now the game in Germany. Three different, three different parts of the world, three different victories during the Andy Reid decade. It almost makes you think that being organized, having a plan, and executing it might be more important than anything else. Hey, that's why Andy Reid makes the big bucks. Yeah. And, and you know what? I mean, I, I say that in jest, but honestly, I, I, I keep thinking the same thing about just putting a bow on the defensive performance today, because I don't think that this defense could have done this in previous seasons. But, you know, what Steve has talked about a lot, and, and Justin Reed has talked about this, and a lot of the players have said it, you know, the experience that this group has allows them to do things that they couldn't do before, to play, I think, faster and more exotically. I mean, I, I just I don't feel like that even the 2019 Chiefs defense, when I think in the second half of the season was really, really good. I don't know that they could have done what this defense did against the Dolphins today. Yeah, it's just I'm just telling you that the combination of the athletic ability that they have at linebacker these days, the athletic ability collectively and the aggressiveness they have at the secondary position, and then the constant rotation they have along the defensive line that allows them to not wear down anymore like just all that at each level just really allows them to be unpredictable and to it, once they once they figure out an offense like they they uh they they know Steve Spagnuolo can pretty much throw anything at him and that's what makes him such a good defensive coordinator this is i think this is the first time we've seen Steve Spagnuolo have everything he needs for his scheme to succeed well, today was an absolute, to me, a clinic. I mean, about from a, just of how to put together a defensive game plan and execute it. And 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 frankly, as as much as we are complimenting the the Chiefs' defense, I I would think that to a degree, the Miami defense probably feels pretty good too about holding the Chiefs to twenty one points. Although it seems like everybody holds the Chiefs twenty one points these days, Nick. Yeah, I was gonna say. I mean, uh, Broncos held them to nine last week, so uh, yeah, it's not as know. it's not as impressive anymore, is it? Not right now, no, unfortunately. Um, I'm with Andy Reid. That first drive was a thing of beauty. Yeah. That was perfectly executed. The script was on point. It was put together. I mean, and and they carried it out. I would watch that Rasheed Rice touchdown play on loop for an hour. Uh, just watching that guy run after he gets the ball in his hands, I want to see more of it. And I didn't see it again the rest of the day, Nick. <laughs> His yeah. only other catch and target was on a diving play to convert a, convert, a, convert a first down. But where's Rasheed Rice? Why can't they get the ball to Rasheed Rice, Nick? There, there's a lot of questions. Why can't they get the ball to Kelsey Moore? Why can't they get the ball to Rice? What's going on in general with that wide receiver group? They're still going in with just as many, if not more, questions about that wide receiver group than than they did in that game. So, I mean, there's... I, I'm I'm intrigued to watch coaches film and kind of see where everything's at. I've got a, I've got a lot of gripes with the with a lot of what I saw 
collectively in that passing offense. But here's here's the way I'll say it first and foremost. I feel like what the Chiefs are going through right now and with this offense and the lack of an identity, no matter what they tell me when I ask it here in the weeks ahead, <laughs> um, you you should have your identity normally between week seven to week nine. And the Chiefs are in the ballpark about what they can do, what they can't do. And this is where coming up in the bye week, the Chiefs need to figure this part of it out. Like this week, they need to self-scout in a way. What can they do? What can't they do? And then adjust accordingly in the playbook to play to their strengths. I feel like this Chiefs team is the 2015 offense right now. I think that's what their strength is going to be. I think that's what they're going to have to be. So I think they're going to have to have variations of play-action pass. Like they're going to have to really determine what they want to do run-blocking scheme-wise to complement Pacheco more a lot more than what they do right now and to even help out McKinnon in some regard. Um, Because the Chiefs in 2015 used a lot of, they did a good job at a lot of double teams, a lot of combo blocks and really kind of simplifying things and letting people dominate or use them together to really push people off the line of scrimmage and impose their will. I think they got to go back to that if they really want to be able to make, make hay this year, especially come playoff time. And then that also should hopefully open some stuff up for the receivers, give them some more voids down the road here. I'm not saying you take everything away from Patrick Mahomes in terms of shotgun, but just with the receiving group he's going to have this year, and depending on the you know what Kelsey can or can't be, depending on what the defense wants to take away or doesn't want to take away, they're just they're gonna have to they're gonna have to change in my opinion more so what they're doing. And then early on, I wasn't exactly thrilled with from a play calling perspective after the first 15 script, how, how much depth they were getting on, you know, 10, 15, 20 yard routes. And I'm, and the dolphins were like, okay, if you're going to do that, we're going to do these TE stunts or these ET stunts, depending on what they wanted to do. And then because of your run blocking scheme, we're going to shift and to try to confuse it a little bit and take away some of that assignment sound football in the run game. So the chiefs were able to do some, you know, some misdirection in some regard, and they were able to get a couple passes when they'd use Kelsey as a decoy and kind of throw over top like they did to Sky Moore that one time, McKinnon for the touchdown. So, I mean, there there were some opportunities they were able to make out of it, but there's, I feel like they're going to have to have, going down the road here, they've got to have a better, I just feel like their run blocking scheme, they got to they got to really decide what they want to be and how they want to do it and how they want to approach it. Because they, I just don't think they have the speed to do that outside zone. I just don't think, I just don't think that offensive line's built for finesse as much as I think they they continue to want to try that. And that's just my personal opinion on it from what I watch. Um, and then they got to be okay with using Kelsey's a decoy to get other people open sometimes, and you know, and and accept that hey, this is this is the decoy night. We're gonna have to go to these plays versus focusing on Kelsey throw. I think that those are kind of the biggest things, and 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 I'm. Actually, I want to get your thoughts first, and then I will start one of my first official rants. Excellent. At, about a wide receiver, <laughs> so you go, you go first here, sir. The floor is yours. I don't want to, I don't want to take up too much time and dominate. So the floor is yours. I, I, I'm working on a theory, Nick. Yes, I like theories. Is it conspiracy on, theory or just it, a normal theory? <laughs> maybe a little bit of both. Okay. I'm okay. working on a theory about if I'm an NFL defensive coordinator, what is my current plan for? attacking Patrick Mahomes. And what I'm starting to see, at least the commonality week in and week out, 
against the Chiefs. It's not necessarily the zone coverages as much. I mean, yeah, everybody's doing that. And it's not just taking away the deep end of the field. Everybody's doing that. One, they all know that you can't blitz Patrick Mahomes. So they're stopping doing that. But I'm seeing defenses trying to keep him just in the pocket. Make sure that Patrick Mahomes stays in the pocket all day long. Because, one, I think it's the last place he wants to be is standing in the pocket all day long. But if you don't attack him too hard, if you set the edge and just make sure that he can't get lateral, that the only place that he's going to beat you with scrambles is going to be up the middle, but you hem him in the pocket, he is going to get impatient and he will eventually make mistakes. And that's what I feel like that we're seeing, because I don't think that that fumble that he has, you know, is a as a normal Patrick Mahomes fumble. That was a result of Patrick Mahomes holding onto the football too long. Patrick Mahomes doesn't normally throw a hold onto the football too long. But now with these zones and with so many guys other than Kelsey not being able to find the voids and get open in these zones, except when on that first drive, for example, everything was designed to get the ball out quickly, just get the ball out in space. Get rid of the ball quickly. Don't go through five different reads. Just get rid of the ball. But right now, I think Mahomes is going one, two, three, one, two, back to the top again. And then it, when nobody's open, he just continue, He just starts to look deep and go deep. And today, I mean, there was a great example. In fact, that's not there because of the way the teams are playing them. Teams, I feel like the defensive coordinators right now, their plan is just let Patrick Mahomes sit back into the pocket because the only way that he's going to beat you is just to pick you apart. And that's not his nature. They're encouraging him to be something that he's not. And I feel like it's, you know, we've talked about this before, and I think that that Patrick has done a good job, and Andy Reid has done a good job of helping him with this, adjust in the past to eventually getting to the point where, as I like to say, the Chiefs offense eats its vegetables. All they need to do is go out and have a game where Patrick Mahomes goes like 42 of 48, for 360 yards and doesn't throw a ball more than seven yards downfield and just pick somebody apart and you're going to get defenses out of this. Yeah. And, and, and you're hundred percent right on that part. And I don't know, I'll add this to it twofold. If they want to drop into zones and do all that, run it down their throat with power. Yeah. Have real power guys combo block to the second level and just bury them. And I mean, bury them. And the chiefs have the offensive line to do that. You know what Trey Smith is a mauler. You know what Creed Humphrey is a mauler Joe Tooney. If you have somebody combo block with him, him and Donovan Smith can maul people. And Juwan Taylor, who's not exactly the best pass block or run blocker. You combo Trey with him, bury them. And then that offensive line is going to play at a different level and intensity. And it's the same issue you had back in 2015. So I think it mirrors this in a lot of ways, which ironically, if you think about it, the Chiefs didn't start figuring that out until they went uh, to take on the Detroit Lions internationally in London. So this is kind of the point after this bye week, get it figured out and start figuring out what you want to do run-wise because that's the first way you're going to be able to get that defense out of it and to be able to hopefully get a little bit more room over the top because if you're burying them for 150, 200 yards, guess what? Your defense is getting rest. And, oh, hey, we're just going to run over you. That's fine. We'll shorten the game a different way this time. We'll win this way if this is how you want to go about this road. And then, like you said, that was something I was getting frustrated with is just – Take the slants, man. Slants, yeah. out routes, crossers. So you want to do that? Boom, boom, boom. Hit them with it. You guys want to drop in, take away all that? We'll play the paper cut offense. That's fine. But I just need to see more evolution from this offense because the reality is this. 
you don't have the speed that you need. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, and this is where the other part of the rant comes in, Matt. I apologize, but it's going to be Marquez Valdez-Scantling. The reality with him is he's so inconsistent in the routes that he runs, and I'm finally going to say that publicly for the first time, probably two years, even though I've said it privately, you and other people. Um, he's so inconsistent, and the reason the, the ball looks short when Pat throws it to him or it looks long is because there's variations in how he runs his routes. It's not like, and, and I thought Steve Spagnuolo said it perfectly this week, it isn't MVS-wise, but Tyreek practiced the way that he played. And I think that's a big problem with some of the receivers there is they do not practice the way that they play. And that's part of the reason you see the inconsistencies that I do. I also think they need to adjust some of the route combinations that they're doing from a spacing perspective or whatever they need to do to make it simpler to where they have proper spacing to open up some of those voids and to do everything they need to. But for example, when Mahomes lofted that one up to Valdez Scantling. They could have made it 28 to 14 at the time, I think. And he dropped that pass. Guess what? You're six, four, man. They pay you to, to high point that they don't pay you to treat it with your arm open. Like it's a bread basket and you're, you know, you're just safely letting it in there. No, you got to go up and high point that man. The Jamar chases of the world go up there and high point that Mike Evans. I saw him do it later in the game against the Houston Texans. They just go up and get it. That's what you have to do when you're that size. That's why they brought you in. And so that's, that's where the frustration I have with that is like, man, like, you know, like, like the reality is this McCall Hardman has the speed. Does he understand the offense or can he execute the offense the way that they need to to threaten safeties deep and to give Mahomes when he has that itch to be able to push the ball down the field? 50 50. You know, I mean, like, you know, it's so it's just McCole has the speed that they need, but long term, they're going to have to find more of that to really reopen up this offense. And just like they've got to find with the, with the run blocking scheme they're doing right now, they've got to find better speed if that's what they want to run. But right now, they have the power if they need it. And you use that power and adjust that run blocking scheme to it, there's there's so much promise there. And you can really set the tempo and really dominate in a better way and collectively help this team overall. And, I mean, and Andy Reid is telling us that he believes it's there. I mean, there is no doubt. He believes that this team can figure it out. I think he's maybe even just a little bit perplexed about why it's taken them so long. But, and as you talked about, I mean, you know, identity of his team, you normally would have it by now. But I go back to the 2019 D- Chiefs defense. And I think that's what I would hope is maybe the best comparison is that it's just late in figuring things out. I mean, that team took until the bye week in week 12 well, and, and, before they and, figured it all out. And part of that was that Denver game when Mom's kneecap had the, you know, went the opposite way after that QB sneak and the chiefs defense was forced to pressure at that time because they didn't have the front four to be able to, to routinely do that. So again, it's those, it's those moments when they're forced to evolve. Well, this bye week is here at the perfect time for you to evolve this offense for what you have skill set wise this year to complement that defense, just like you had to do in 2015. Yeah, uh, you know, this and sometimes teams need a rallying moment. I don't know if this was that rallying moment for this offense. Maybe it's still to come. But at some point, yes, they they need a fire lit under them. And whether this was it or not, I guess we'll find out. I would have thought that there maybe last week against Denver would have been the fire. And maybe it is. And we're just going to find out that this was the maybe the jet lag got him in the second half. But 
there's more work to be done. But looking forward, we're getting to the second half, Nick. Yeah. We, when we all get back, we're going to have, uh, I called it jokingly, Super Bowl 57 and a half against the Philadelphia Eagles yeah. on Monday night. Um, that will be the second gigantic marquee game of the NFL that the Chiefs are playing in because this was the marquee game of the day today. That Chiefs-Eagles game is going to be the one that everybody is watching. What are you looking for in the second half? What does this team need to build upon? Uh, I th- I think for the most part, we talked about with the offense to where they got to shorten the routes and kind of make it be okay with taking the calling it the paper cut offense. And they, they just, they've got to retool the blocking scheme on that run game. If they really want to be able to make it more effective and to be okay with having to lean into it a lot of times to open things up for some of the shot plays that they want to take with Watson or with Kelsey or whomever that they need to. And I think they're going to have to use the tight ends more collectively and the, but for both run and play action with Noah Gray and Kelsey combination and having Blake Bell help be a perimeter runner. And maybe he's a, you know, he's a, a check in the flats type of thing. But I mean, they, that may be another piece that they need to add to the, add to the list, but no, I mean, it, defense just needs to keep doing what it's doing, get healthy. Um, and then, you know, the final thing, special teams, um, here we go. Rant, rant number two. Well, buckle yourself in. Rant number two. <laughs> now, obviously, Dave Joe spoke earlier this week during the press conference. I tweeted out what he put out there about the how the heels at the tens and old school mentality. But there's a reason why it was always old school because it was successful. Like I, I get that he that he thinks every punter punts inside the one or that they're capable of it now. And and you know it is what it is. But then the other comment that he made that was interesting when he said that special teams is about creating sparks. That's fine if you create a spark as long as it's for your team and not the other team. Like that's fine at that point. Like yeah, no, that's great that McCole could have ran another ten or fifteen yards. But like today, man, I was nervous every time McCole was getting the ball. I was like, man, I just hope he catches it and doesn't turn it over because Miami will punch that in if it's inside the ten. And so there was times I was, I mean, hey, McCole executed it, but like like I said before. With McColl, it's just you can get you get one great punt return, but you're gonna have six or seven in between where you're like, man, I hope he catches that ball, and I, as long as he catches that ball and doesn't turn it over, that's half. That that shouldn't be half the battle of what the punt return you know you're dealing with, and so like I don't. It's just like they have to be. This is just me. You you've got to be mindful of the fact that. Each with where your offense is at, you don't have the luxury of turning the ball over as much as you did in years past and being able to overcome it. One of those can derail you. And guess what? A couple of them did derail you in Denver. So, like it, you know, like that's something I just that's fine. You want to create a spark, I understand. But man, you got to make sure it's a spark for your team and not the opponent. Even the broadcasters today were stunned when McKinnon brought back that kickoff and that was intended. I mean, I mean, I think that the dolphins were trying to force a return because they did drop it on the one and McKinnon takes it. But even the broadcasters were like, we don't see punt kick returns anymore. Nobody does this. And I, and if anything, I mean, that might've been a a spot for the chiefs to actually invoke the new, take the fair catch and take the ball at the 25. I know Dave Tope doesn't believe in it, but you know what? If they had, they would have had the ball at the 25 instead of the 21. It would have gotten them plus four yards and not have had the drama and concern that they might have had turned over the ball like they did against Denver. And and uh, this would be my final thought on this part of it. Part of me kind of thinks deep down, and we've all talked about this and we've all asked these questions, 
Like there's certain parts of special teams that they're phasing out. And so another piece of that puzzle that I think is when Dave Tobe made the comments he did in the press conference, the thing I kept thinking in my head when he's talking about, you know, special teams about creating a spark, he believes that because he has to justify why they're paying him what they're paying him whenever that part of the sport's being phased out. Not his fault, but like that the rules are deliberately making it to where that's not a part, a big part of the puzzle anymore. So whenever you have the negative special teams plays from the fakes that other teams do, because they still seem to think that it's a 2018 Chiefs offense when it's not anymore, um, or they're nervous about Mahomes, they don't want Mahomes to get that possession back or give him another possession to where, hey, maybe this is the one they figure it out type of thing on offense. It, yeah, it's just like I, I totally get where, where Dave Tubb and a lot of special teams coaches are at, but at the same time, you also don't want to keep – you know, risking it to where you set yourself up in a spot where like you can't come back from. Yeah, and I, I'm I'm going to dive into it during the bye week and find out for sure because I mean my gut tells me that the the Chiefs are certainly much more aggressive on punt returns than other teams are that I see. I'm going to look into the numbers and see how it actually comes out, you know, as far as where the Chiefs do catch punts and how many they are returning versus other teams. It does seem like the Chiefs are the outlier here, but look at the numbers and see for sure. But uh, because you're right. I mean, and now maybe it's also part of it is that Dave Tobe and maybe the entire team feels a little bit of more pressure to get that spark because the offense isn't what it has been in the past that they can't just necessarily feel like they can hand the ball to Patrick Mahomes and he's going to be able to take him 85 yards at any particular moment in time or 95 yards. If you catch it at the five, I get that, which happened, happened a lot. Which did happen a lot, and I get it's not happening as much right now, but, you know, it's better to have Patrick Mahomes go start at the five and maybe only get a 35-yard drive than to give the ball away and have the team start at the drive at the 10. (laughs) And on top of it, my other piece would be that, hey, maybe, you know, it's okay if it rolls in the end zone and the Chiefs take over at the twenty. Like they don't have to play inside the five or one every time. It's okay. You can try it. Like the, some of those kicks aren't exactly the coffin corner kicks. There's a chance that they're going to bounce. And then, hey, guess what? There's a fun fact. It's maybe it rolls in the end zone. <laughs> That's 20. Or, hey, guess what? Maybe it ricochets back and there's even a couple more yards in the fair catch. How about that? I just, I don't know, man. It's just, it, it's just, it's starting to really bother me. And I'm like, I'm like, guys. This Chiefs offense needs every yard it can get right now. And I understand that you, that the punt return you think can be that. But it's not Tyreek Hill back there catching the ball anymore and being able to take off. You don't have that level of you don't have that level of vision and speed anymore to be able to create at that. I'm sorry. And case in point today, the Dolphins have one of the best punt returners in the league in Braxton Berrios. He gets a Tommy Townsend punt, sees it, lets it go, goes into the end zone for a touchback. No drama gets the ball for his offense in a favorable position rather than making a crazy fair catch. Matt, I feel like you had that one ready to go, and I salute you, sir. I salute you. <laughs> the Dolphins have one of the best punt returners and are pretty aggressive, too, in their own right, and they let that ball go. Yeah. But that's just me. So, all right, Nick, any parting thoughts? Anything else uh, you're taking away from today's game as we head into the bye week? No, I'm, no, like I said, I'm really impressed with the defense, offense. I mean, that's yeah. just what I observe about what I think they they need to do. Because I mean, the personnel wise doesn't change. Like you're not you're not adding speed to that wide receiver group that can that can 
help you this year that isn't already there. And you're not really going to be able to add speed at the running back spot to be able to complement McKinnon and, and Pacheco's running style. So, I mean, those, those are the roads that this bye week and then the whole week for Monday night football, the chiefs got a lot of days to figure stuff out and to really kind of hit the reset button on what they want to be as an offense and what they want to implement here down the stretch to be able to keep the first round seed, win the divisional and give themselves a shot in the championship game and hopefully Super Bowl because like offensive performances like that down the road against the Bengals, you know, the the Bills, the Dolphins potentially again. But and and I'm telling you, the Ravens, Ravens are gonna be tough down the road here if they keep playing and elevating like they are right now. Like the Ravens are gonna be one of the teams to beat and just the way they took it to Seattle today. Like I'm just telling you, like they're 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 no joke. So I mean, there's there's a lot there that like the Chiefs are gonna have to really kind of do some soul searching uh, over these next 14 or 15 days before that Monday Night Football game, and we'll see if they just kind of keep you know trudging trudging along here, or if uh, if they can kind of reinvent themselves a little bit um, over these next two weeks. Yeah, this there's there's no doubt. I mean, there's there's a lot of tough teams in the AFC and the Chiefs haven't I mean, they face one today, but they've got a lot more coming up down the road and some of the teams that they could face in the postseason playing pretty good defense too. I still have no idea how Mike Tomlin and the Pittsburgh Steelers are 5 and 3. But that's all Mike Tomlin does is just somehow win games and he, I I don't I don't know how he does it. It's smoke and mirrors, but the guys an incredible coach. All the defense, strong run game, um, physical. Maybe not necessarily strong, but a physical run game that keeps them. They keeps them in the ball games. Like those. Those are their, those are two staples, and they're starting to figure out a little bit of the play action with Kenny Pickett. And they were. I mean, you know, if you took, I know this sounds. This is hypothetical, and this will be my final thought, and we can wrap it up. But if you took George Pickens and Deontay Johnson, swapped them out in this Chiefs offense. Whole different ball game. Whole different. Chiefs are, Chiefs are just tearing up teams at that point and paired them with Rasheed Rice. Oof. Oh my goodness. Sorry, Rasheed, not Rasheed. Um, I gotta enunciate my words better. Um, but yeah, like you know, I don't know. Let's just we'll see how it goes, Matt. We'll see how it goes. And I, I, I do. I, I mean, I almost feel like there's always like a disclaimer at the end of, of our offensive rants that we are grading on a tremendous curve. But at the same time, I mean, this offense is underperforming. And and I will, I mean, I, and I, once again, I circle back to Andy Reid is is not, I, he's not running around with his head cut off. I mean, he seems confident that they're going to figure it out. And when they do, they're going to be fine. And and maybe his, he's just hoping that his calm eventually extends down to his team and that they calm down and realize that, hey, take a deep breath. Just focus on the fundamentals because his message continues to be execute well, don't make mistakes, don't make dumb penalties, don't turn the football over, don't drop the football, and you're going to be fine. And I can't really argue with him because all of those things should take care of a lot of problems that the Chiefs have. Yeah, we got 15 days to figure it out, Matt. So that's all I can say until we get to see it again. 15 days. We will we're gonna see if we can't come back next week with a surprise bye week episode of 41 is the mic. I think Nick and I both want to be there because you know 
We love you guys too much. And if we are there, maybe then that will encourage you to continue to hit the subscribe, <laughs> hit the like, give us your comments, do whatever it is that you know you do to podcast that you like. <laughs> Quite the salesman, aren't I, Nick? <laughs> You're nailing it, Matt. Okay. You are nailing this right now. As you can tell, I'm I'm just the the sports guy. I my my I'm not I I don't really have great PR skills for a former great PR person, Nick. Well, Matt, the first the first thing in any problem is recognizing there's a problem. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a great lip man and hype man for other people. Hyping myself, not so much. But Matt, we, we all have things we need to improve upon, including there the Chiefs' offense. There you go. You identify what you can improve on. We'll work on it during the bye week. We'll come back. Uh, on behalf of Nick and myself, thank you all for listening. We will catch you again next week. And then two weeks, two weeks in a day, Chiefs back in action against the Philadelphia Eagles. We'll be on it. Thanks, everybody. You've been listening to 41 is the mic, presented by KSHB 41, your home of the Chiefs and Chiefs Digest. 